hello again if you if you've snuck in. Um, I was kind of tempted to say that next week normal service will be resumed. You know, Tim will be having his t- shirt tucked out and I'll be wearing whatever. But well, that will be true. Uh, won't be the last time you might see me wearing a dog collar in Trinity, but don't expect it very often. Um, but I hope that things won't change actually. Because it is a real moment, isn't it? A real moment. I just want to spend a, a few moments and minutes, and it, it won't be very long this morning, because we've, we've already had a richness, haven't we, of stuff. We've already got so much that we've already shared together as, as church family, and welcome online if you're watching online or later the, this coming week. We've already shared a bit of richness, haven't we, as we've had this juxtaposition or this wonderful symmetry of thinking about death and, and the face of death. And I'm sure lots of us are kind of connecting. I, I, I said I, I burst into tears when I heard the news. It's kind of one of those things that I've been ready for. But of course, one person's death connects with other losses, with other deaths that we've, that we've had. Um, we try not to use the word passing. I appreciate that sometimes people talk about people passing away, but actually it's not really helpful. It's going to be incredibly helpful that this week that there'll be the Queen lying in state. It'll be very physical, very physical, because death is physical. When I, when I do a, a funeral, I sometimes will go and put my hand deliberately on the coffin because we, we actually ha- have got into a way of thinking as a, as, as a society where we kind of remove ourselves a bit from, from death. And that actually doesn't help us because death is a physical reality. And and I'm praying actually that we won't move on and and lose sight of the feelings and the emotions that that we've got uh, today, whatever those might might be like over the next two weeks of of national mourning and then the the funeral service itself, the day of the funeral I pray that we won't move on too quickly from this moment when we are reminded about realities. We're reminded about, yes, the physicality of death that none of us can can take for granted any day of our lives. It's one of my most common little lines that I use. I use it whenever I do speak at funerals. No one ever, you know, on their deathbed says, I wish I'd had more time at work at the office. No one, I think, ever prays that prayer. You know, so we're on a hamster wheel a bit, aren't we, in our culture with all kinds of things. And so I pray, actually, that, that already what we have shared, already what we thought, whether you've been close to God, you know, or, or a bit distant from God, whether you're here today, welcome so much. If you're, you're not sure about who God is, you kind of know about God, but you're not sure about your personal relationship with God. I just pray that already breaking in, yes, with brutality, and I, I just really, I weep and pray with those of you weeping and praying. Some in our church family have had massive losses just very recently. But I pray that, that these things will point us to the bigger story, that, that Christ will be magnified. Thank you, Jane, the team. Praise my soul, the King of Heaven, apparently the late Queen's favourite hymn, one of her favourite hymns. And so thank you that we were able to sing that this morning. Praise my soul, the King of Heaven. I, uh, I've met the Queen, the late Queen. Um, I, was, I was about 11 years old. 
and I was at the Braemar Country Show in Scotland that she used to go to near, near Balmoral, near where she was. We were on holiday because I'm old enough that my parents used to drive me all around parts of the United Kingdom as a little boy with my brother and point out things, usually mountains. I have seen most mountains and most things as a little boy, but all I wanted to do was know when we were going to stop and I could get out and play. Um, Nikki wants to go and see all these things because she hasn't seen them and I'm... Anyway, there I was. I was standing looking at a, a majestic highland cow. And genuinely, genuine story, and many can say the same story, actually. I just was aware, suddenly, of a little, felt to me, old lady standing beside me. And she had a, a, a mac on, a, you know, a, a, a sort of just a mac and a headscarf. And I'm just sort of looking at this massive great cow. And she's here. And I suddenly realised that there was a very big man <laughs> kind of standing just a couple of feet back. And I blissfully looked at the cow, and I looked at the little old lady, and she smiled, and I smiled, and we both looked at the cow, and she walked off, and then my dad came over to me and said, you've just stood beside the queen. <laughs> what a glorious thing that she could just be that kind of person. What a glorious thing that she embodied. She, she absolutely, and, and she was not perfect. Please don't hear any inappropriate kind of eulogising about, about someone who, who, you know, just like every single one of us, was not perfect. But, but somehow she embodied, didn't she? Her, her presence, her personhood brought together all kinds, of, all kinds of things. Now, clearly for many of us, it brought together our sense of nation. And, and we're struggling because our, our sense of what it means to be alive now, what it means to be together. You know, there was just something sure and certain about the, the Queen being there, whatever else might change. You know, if you're a, I don't know if you're a Republican or a monarchist or whatever you thought, kind of thing. But it's, okay, you wouldn't start here, but here we are. And it, it kind of works. The stability, there was presence. You know, confession, I didn't listen to every Queen's speech on Christmas Day. I'm really, but I was so pleased it was there. And, and. She embodied that when she was, and we saw some of those photos, embodied that on, a, you know, on the state occasions, but she embodied it just standing beside me in a wet, it was raining. I know it doesn't always rain in Scotland, but you know, my experience is it always rains in Scotland. Um, she could embody in that moment something very ordinary whilst being who she was. And we're called, aren't we? I mean, this is the simple point. We're called to embody the faith that she lived by and lived in. We're called to embody the same faith. Where, wherever we are, we're called to, to be people of whom, of whom others would speak something, would see, sense something of Jesus 
in us. They would have some sense that in a time of great uncertainty, we're able to go to the school gate tomorrow or we're able to go to the office or we're able to go into the newsagents and the shop or the wherever we're going to be. And we're able to say something about the faith that sustains us, that sustain her, the hope that we have, that she had, the, 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 the wonderful thing it is to live a life in response to the king, Jesus. We're called, aren't we? Rest in peace. We're going to see that a lot. Maybe we've seen it all. Rest in peace. Maybe you've come across on social media, etc., the kind of little um, combination thing that's used as a, a little thing. Rest in peace, rise in glory. Rest in, in peace. Where you can find those words on tombstones from before the 5th century. Um, and then it became very, very popular in the 18th century to put rest in peace on a gravestone. Many of the, of the um, memorial stones around this building, rest in peace. Very biblical. Rise in glory. You won't find those exact words in Scripture. But of course, it, it, it is the heart of the scripture message, the Bible message, isn't it? That we are people who know where we're going to be, that death for us is not a full stop. It's just a comma. The physical is a brutal change. It's a brutal thing, death. But if you've seen a, death, a, a, a dead body, you see the stillness, the absence of life, the absence of the spirit. And, and Isaiah 57, 2 is, is where rest in peace perhaps most closely comes from. Those who walk uprightly enter into peace. They find rest as they lie in death. And praise God that Queen Elizabeth II does rest in peace. But I hope you know that that amazing future promise of resting in heavenly peace is also intended to be a present day reality. We're meant to be resting in peace. The gift, it's an amazing future promise, but it's also the God's gift for the present, for those who walk uprightly. Those who walk uprightly. Our state of being is meant to be at peace. Many of us, sadly, live very compartmentalised lives. We live lives where here's a kind of faith Andrew and here's a not so faithful Andrew and here's a different, you know, or there's, or there's Sunday and the rest of the week. There's in church, there's, there's not in church, there's work, there's home. We live in these kind of compartmentalised lives. And, and, and what we end up doing is we end up borrowing time or stealing time or stealing stuff from one pot for the other pot. You know, I steal a bit of time from work for my family or actually more likely I steal from my family for work or I steal for the, you know, and we, we, we live in this kind of compartmentalized kind of way whereas we're called to live holistically all of us in response to all of God and again she wasn't perfect but here's a picture of the queen at Balmoral there was something can we pop that one up Jonathan thank you of the queen and prince Philip the late prince Philip there was something about her her majesty queen Elizabeth II that was something about 
all of her life. Yes, she, she talks about it in terms of all of service, the whole of our, my life I devote to your service. But the whole of her life, I think it's right to say that there's something in her example to us, or at least in the prompting that I feel for myself. And that included the time for rest and relaxation as much as it included the time for work. Now, you may fairly say, yes, but she could make choices that I can't make. She had resources to, to do things in a particular way, to rest in a way that I can't rest. She possibly wasn't bothered about the heating bill. She possibly wasn't bothered about the same things as me. And, and you're right. And I forgive me, I do not want to pretend and gloss and kind of ignore those realities. But would you just let yourself for a moment ask this morning, ask God, ask this week, what, what would it look in my life, for the whole of my life, to be devoted to King Jesus and every dynamic, dynamic to be lived out in response to him? In the Western, Western mindset, we tend to think about rest as the absence of work. You know, when we think about God on the seventh day resting after creation, do we imagine him kicking off his shoes, putting his feet up and saying, phew, it's good, it's finished. That's a, a Western mindset. In the ancient Near East, in the culture uh, uh, in which so much of the Old Testament was written, rest, God's seventh day, Sabbath state, expresses a sense of completeness, of, of things being done, brought into place. So that right living can then follow. The divine being rests because it's right. Things are right. And then you live in response to that. Now the, the Sabbath day was clearly the end of the week. When we read scripture, it's clearly the end of a week. And then there's the first day of the week. But but in our Western mindset, we work to fall over the finishing line of Saturday or Friday or whatever it is and flop. That's not a Jewish mindset. It's not a biblical mindset. The Sabbath day is the day of preparation for all that is to follow. Do you work, friends, paid, unpaid, whatever you count as activity, do you work to rest or are you active out of rest? Genesis, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. He didn't switch off, he didn't kick off his heels. He just was able to say, what I needed to do has been done. I've set things right. Then he blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And when he gave the Ten Commandments to his people for a framework of living in response to the fall, in the response to sin, in the response to messing up the rightness and getting it wrong, he gave us the command for Sabbath. 
He gave us the command to stop. He gave us the command to say, Andrew, the entire world, let alone Trinity Cheltenham, does not depend on you. But you see, I'm not sure I completely believe that. I know I don't completely believe that. I'm a work in progress. Sabbath and rest is an issue of trust in God. Do you feel that you can afford to stop? Do you feel that you can afford to respond to who God is, to set aside time, to say, God, you are more important than anything else? Are we... Here's a slide, shaped by a work to rest if you're lucky culture. So this summer, I took three weeks off, three weeks and one day off. And every time I've told anyone that since we got back, I've always qualified it by explaining it. And I want to confess that. I realised as I was thinking. Every time I've told anyone in this church family that I was off for three weeks, I've said this. Um, Nikki and I took three weeks off. But you see, Nikki retired earlier this year and we've not been able to have a proper holiday for a while. So in the past, I haven't actually taken my full holiday allowance. So if you add that up over five years, then actually the time that I took doesn't really count for the time. And anyway, I worked really hard. And anyway, if there'd been an... You wouldn't do that, would you? Friends, are we shaped by kingdom priorities? Are we trusting in God or are we trusting in ourselves? When you come face to face with death, you know that every human thing is inadequate for the task, is inadequate in response. When you come face to face with death, some of you know this very brutally just in the last few weeks. You know the only One who you can turn to is God. When you think about your lives, when you think about the value of things, when I think about the value of things, all of this human stuff matters in the sense that God has made it and we're called to be stewards. It's not just to kind of ignore it. It matters. It's precious. It's special. The things that we do are are important. Our gifts, our creativity, the ways that we can serve matter. But are we living in response holistically to God's? The Queen was a disciplined person. She lived by habits. She opened up that little um, kind of Tupperware box with her breakfast in the morning. She, she had certain habits and it was a framework. And of course, yes, absolutely, she had staff and others to help her keep the framework. Um, I haven't had a chance to check whether she had one of our rule of life leaflets on her, on her bedside table yet, but I'm hoping to see it in a picture soon. What is the framework of your life? It's why we talk about, use this ancient language that Christians, followers of Jesus have used for so long. What's your rule of life? What's your framework? What are your habits? You already, I already have a rule of life. I have habits. I have things that I do and I don't do. And the question is whether they're producing healthy fruits. Or am I just on a hamster wheel? Am Am I just living for the next holiday? Am I living to try and get a bit of time off? Am I... Am I taking from one bit of me to give to another bit of me? Do I, 
in the face of death, in the face of anyone's death, life is such a precious gift, isn't it? But in a cultural moment, in a moment like this, in a moment where we have Her, Maj- Her Majesty's death just bringing so much into focus, this is a time to ask, isn't it? We, we in our, our little rule of life here at Trinity, use, use four headings to think about things. Prayer and scripture, rest, which is, as I say, not the absence of doing stuff. It's the positive space where we're time with God, time with our families, time with our, our friends, time, significant time, which re- refreshes us. What refreshes you? Relationships. What are your habits with regard to Relationships. And whatever you would count as work and service, what are, your, what are your habits? How do you embody this message of hope that a world needs so much? How do you embody this King Jesus? What are you going to do? Are you going to go to the office five minutes early tomorrow and pray? Would you do that every single day? Do you, do you, do you say a prayer before you send an email? Do you, do you, you know, how are you significantly being a, a, a minister of reconciliation? It's not just my job because I've got a bit of plastic wrap. That, this is our calling to be ministers of reconciliation. Are you a minister of reconciliation and hope in your workplace? Are you the first person to say, I'm sorry? Or are, are we the last are we, are we known for our kindness? You know, when you get your gold watch and they're saying how you've done at work, will they use the word kind about you? Will you use that word of me as the leader here? It's very easy to lead and, and not do so kindly. What does it look like? What's your framework? And, and in this business of rest, What's your framework? I, I just encourage you, if you hadn't thought about it before, with all of these, with all of these four headings, I think there's a kind of biblical thing about um, a, a three sort of, three focal, foci length, whatever it's right. Anyway, three points of focus. Um, there's a, there's a, a long view thing. Ne- next slide. Thanks, Jonathan, so much. A long view kind of thing which are big adjustments and changes which the Lord would call us to. This is not a talk encouraging people, lots of people, to retire early. But, you know, there may be some big adjustments that the Lord would lead us into, that there would be a framework for our lives Then there's this sense of foresight. That's the kind of, you know, looking the next stage ahead. So between now and Christmas, this season, what might the Lord call you to in terms of of rest? Nikki and I are trying to have the practice of switching off from 6pm on a Friday night to 6pm on a Saturday that's because it does allow me to kind of come back on duty, being honest, on a Saturday evening. I can, I can say, well, I'll wait till then to see if any emails come in about the Sunday. It's a luxury because you guys, through your financial giving and prayerful support, enable me to make choices about my time. That's the way it works in Christian community. Thank you. But what could be your practice? What could be your practice And maybe that's something you could work to in this season. But insight, daily choices. 
I've already mentioned, you know, when it comes to things like, like prayer, you know, the prayer before you send an email, the getting into the office just that little bit early to, to prayer walk. I hope you know your chaplains to your workplaces, the school gate, your chaplains to your school. We've got lots of people who, who pray. You know, if, you're, if you go to the same news agent every day and have a chat and have a conversation and it includes anything around the, what did you do yesterday? You're a chaplain to that news agent. And with this thing of rest, to use the language of someone called Richard Foster, can you, if you can't make big pools of rest, can you make a necklace, a kind of pearl necklace of moments of rest? I've told you before how incredibly frustrated and ad- full of admiration that I'm how slowly Tim walks between meetings. I love it. I love it that he walks slowly. It's a practice I've really tried to try and adopt over the last five years. Friends, I don't, you know, I recognise the, the, the pressures on us, and that's why I've said there may be a season change, a, a long change, there may be a season change. But what are the daily practice where you could just breathe a moment and express, embody that you believe that Jesus is the King? And that whatever it means for us, not to copy and ape Queen Elizabeth II, but what does it mean for us to live in a state where we know rest and peace because we know that God has set all things right and then he has called us to a way of walking upright, a straight way, a good way of walking as followers of Jesus Christ. Perhaps you'll want to get baptised on Sunday, the 25th of September. We've already got about eight people in the morning and about, I don't know, quite a few in the evening. Do you want to join them? Being baptised or reaffirming, as Tim said, you can't get baptised twice, but you can reaffirm in this point. Is, is that something for you? Would that be a change thing? We've got a load of... Younger people, children and, and young adults getting baptised in the morning but, and, and BJ's getting baptised in the morning as well. Have to work out how not to fuse the chair when we pour water. <laughs> Maybe you're in a life group and you're, you know, you're going to commit to actually being part of that life group in a new way. <laughs> it's all right, friends. It's all right. Grace, love, mercy. Do you need to recommit to your life group? Maybe you're not in a life group. You'd want to join one of the Ephesians groups that we're setting up in October, November. We're studying Ephesians. You can sign up today with Sarah at the back on the welcome point for one of our Ephesians study groups. Short term, just this term, just this season. Alpha. Would that be an expression? Or are you just going to go home, pray, And really let the Lord lead you in setting a pattern where you're resting in the peace of God now, not just for the future.